You're now experiencing data with Brian O'Neill. Experiencing data explores how product managers, analytics leaders, data scientists, and executives are looking at design and user experience as a way to make their custom enterprise data products and analytics applications more useful, usable, and valuable. And now, here's your host, the founder and principal of Designing for Analytics, Brian O'Neill. My guest today is Dinu Ajigutira, who's from CIBO Technologies, C-I-B-O. And he is a senior director of product management and marketing. And he's going to be talking to us today about ag tech, agricultural technology, and specifically their platform that's a simulation and modeling tool. It's a decision support tool to help people working in the farming space understand the crops and the yields that different pieces of land can produce. And this is really fascinating. There's there's a lot of different stakeholders involved in the ag tech space, whether you're on the insurance side, the banking side, or actually farming products, CPG, or the actual farm farmers themselves. And so Dino is going to talk a little bit about his process for going about productizing these analytics and the data that they have in this space to help people working in farming. So I hope you enjoy my chat with Dino. So welcome back to Experiencing Data. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking with Dino Ajikutira, who is currently at SIBO Technologies. And this is, we're going to talk about farming and plants and agronomy and ag tech. Is that what it's called these days as I know it, ag tech? Yeah, ag tech is a big buzzword these days, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally stoked on this because I'm, I'm actually, uh, I, you know, I live here in, in Cambridge, Mass, and, and uh, I've got a vegetable garden in my background, and, or my background, in my backyard. I definitely don't have any farming in my, my background that I know of, but I actually love Growing, uh, growing vegetables and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, this is neat. There's data analytics, we got AI, and we have vegetables and food. And so this is some good stuff. And it sounds like you guys are doing some cool things at SIBO with uh, simulation. Um, can you tell us a bit about what SIBO Tech does and what its, what its software products are doing to help uh, in, in the ag tech space? All right. So First of all, SIBO stands for food in Italian. And the company was built on a mission of enabling sustainable agriculture. And we built this uh, software platform, uh, the technology platform, that brings weather, soil, topography, and uh, agronomic practices uh, in combination with simulation to actually digitally grow the plant. Um, and that uh, allows us to explain to the users why something occurs what if something different had happened and predict the outcomes of how plants will perform in different environments. Got it. And your role there, you're, uh, you're in product management, correct? You're a senior director of product management. So you're, you're working on the actual interfaces and, and data products that, that are used by the people that purchase the software, I assume, correct? Yeah, that's right. I run the product management group. Uh, so, th- you know, I create uh, software products that meet marketing, market needs, mm-hmm. uh, what the market needs. Got it. So can you tell me about who who purchases the software? And is that the same person that will actually log into, I guess it's a, is it a web-based tool or something like that, I assume, like a SaaS? Yeah, it is a, it's SaaS. It's a, it's a web-based tool. Once we authenticate a user, uh, they could log in and test it out. We are at a beta phase right now, so we are not commercial yet. Okay. And typically, you know, like the buyers and the users are different personas, right? Uh, the decision makers are um, managing PLs, but the users in the case of SIBO um, are the last mile providers for farmers. So these could be agronomists or um, 
uh, CPG companies potentially, uh, or anybody who's who's actually serving the farmer. Got it. So can you can you walk us through like if I was uh, in CPG or if I was an agronomist, what is my problem that makes me wake up one day and say I need to get a demo of SIBO Technologies stuff? What is the problem there, and what is it that I'm going to want to sit down and do the next morning or whenever my subscription is enabled? T- tell me about those some of those use cases that you might go through. Okay, let me let me try uh, because there are, there are various groups of uh, of industries right that are mm-hmm. that are helping farmers do better. And the you know the bottom line is uh, helping farmers make more money in a sustainable way. So there are agronomists, uh, there are retailers uh, retailing seeds or, or fertilizers. There are insurance companies that are insuring crops. Uh, there are bankers uh, who are loaning uh, to purchase land, rent land, or operate land. So there are different groups of individuals that are interacting with the farmers. Uh, with the expectation of improving the outcome for the farmer. So let's take uh, an example of an agronomist. Agronomists are typically making recommendations of farming practices uh, to get the best outcome from that land. And the biggest variable that that happens in any field is the weather. Uh, Next year's weather is not going to be, uh, at least likely not going to be, something we have observed in any of the years in the last five or ten years. Uh, so that's that's the kind of challenge is what do you expect and how do you respond to it in a, in a meaningful way to bring back uh, the productivity in the you know uh, back on track and that's a that's a difficult deal uh, there's a saying that you have 40 chances in farming and that that means to say that a farmer has 40 years of of farming and he learns uh, every year and every year that's the only chance he gets to get productivity uh, but with technology sibo uh, can help them Make it 40,000. Try your hypothesis of what you want to do uh, before uh, you actually do it on the farm. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a reason why we use dummies uh, to do crash tests uh, in cars. And it's something similar to that. You don't want to take the risk in the real thing. So agronomists, the pain point for them is whether their recommendations are going to be the right one that actually produces the results or not. Using technology can prove it out before they recommend to the farmers. These are the kind of things that, uh, that people typically worry about. Got it. And so are, are these agronomists working as like consultants to the farmers and it's like a, they're like a service organization. And so this is a tool that they would use to improve the recommendations they provide to farmers or like, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. First thing there, Brian is, uh, you know, when it comes to farming, uh, there is no standard practice. That's the, that's the challenge of agriculture. Uh, it's, there is no certainty. Uh, in the past, you know, in the past years that I worked on simulation and modeling for other industries like process industry, pulp and paper, airlines, building, it's all physical systems where you control everything. In agriculture, environment is something we don't control. And farming practices is done by the gut. The first thing I want to correct right off there is there is no standard practice, you know. And and if you can repeat the question back, I I, I kind of lost track of what you what you precisely asked, and I can get back to answering. Sure. Yeah. So I guess what I was thinking about. So it's it sounds like let's say in the pre SIBO way, in the pre being able to do modeling uh, or running the simulations, you had scientists, these agronomists that provided advice or recommendations to farmers on how to improve crop yield. That's basically what this comes down to, correct? What plants, maybe how to plant them or where to plant them, what's going to yield the best based on whatever inputs and information they had. And then the farmer decides how much they want to trust that or use their gut. And so your tool actually puts some science against this. It actually runs some of those simulations and allows them to provide 
better insights. So, so my question was, is it the farmer who's, I, I realize the farmer is probably eventually going to benefit the most. And then of course the insurance company or what, whoever, all the other uh, second order factors that happen afterwards. But uh, is the farmer sitting down and actually using this software or is it the agronomist? And then if it's the agronomist, do they, do they act as like consultants to farmers? I don't, I don't know how that okay. works. And they look at this as like a better tool in their toolbox uh, for their consulting work. Or how does that, how does that, like who would actually sit down and, and use the SIBO tech directly? Right. Okay. All right. So uh, with, with an example, okay. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Let's say uh, the agronomists are typically in uh, independent uh, agronomist organizations. They belong to some groups uh, that, that consult with farmers. Mm -hmm. Large farmers hire their own agronomists to look after large farmlands that they own. There are also agronomists in uh, large companies that provide agronomic services. These could be companies that are positioning themselves to serve holistically, serve the farmers in all the different aspects that they need to deal with. And our technologies will be a toolkit in um, ensuring that they make better decisions in their recommendations. So let's say this uh, an agronomic uh, services company develops business plans for farmers. Uh, this will be one of the insights that will be inserted into that business plan on how they need to operate their farms as they, you know, as they respond to different weather events, etc. Another possible user or users would be in the insurance companies or the bankers. In the case of the insurance, uh, they are possibly looking at how do you uh, ensure a particular uh, level of crop outcomes from, from, from the land? Is it 190 bushels per acre is what they're willing to insure at? Will they give a premium for uh, 200 bushels per acre? That's the kind of decisions they are making at the start of the planning season, uh, which is around now. Uh, the bankers, on the other hand, are also looking at the risk profile of the farmland to say, do I loan, uh, how much money should I loan to this farmer based on the outcome they want to expect from that piece of land uh, from standard practices that the farmer has been executing on. Uh, there, is, there are risks associated with each of these decisions. So the insurance agent or the banker might be looking at uh, what is the risk tolerance for that particular piece of land they're willing to accept to give a particular rate to the farmer. And our technology can help them determine that uh, based on our prediction tools. It sounds potentially, uh, from a user experience standpoint, it sounds particularly a little bit challenging. Do you serve up the same experience and the same tool set for a someone that has a financial interest? I mean, I understand everyone has a financial interest, but I would imagine that, as you were talking about calculating a risk profile or something like that, the final information and, and the evidence you might provide to support the conclusions the software makes I could see that experience differing for what a farmer wants to see versus what the the insurer wants to see, right? They're looking for safety in their investment. You know, what is what is my risk of losing, you know, of this farm not performing well? But I imagine they don't care as much about which version of corn, you know, which seed whatever do we use? I mean, I know that stuff's constantly changing, but they probably don't care quite as much about that detail at the same way do they i mean i don't can you talk about a little bit about are they different products or do you have is it one product and you have to design carefully around all these different use cases that are here well first of all let, let me qualify all my responses we are at a beta stage right so our users are still testing and some of the things i'm saying uh, there are no real users who are using it uh, today to make 
decisions. Our product and technologies are capable of making these decisions. I see you're still productizing it kind of at this point. Right. Ah, got right. It, got it. We, we're, we're a startup. We've been in stealth mode for a while. We've built the technology. We can prove it uh, to anyone who wants to see I it. I see. I see. And we have, uh, we have business going on. Uh, we are paying customers. But in, uh, largely, much of the customer base that I talk about are still in the beta phase. Got it. Got it. And are those, uh, I, if you can't say I totally understand, are, are those more on the finance side or the farming side or the science side? And how do you go about testing that, making a good product, a good data product out of this technology that you have? We, we have to test. So the, the challenge with agriculture well, there are two challenges in what, what I've observed. One is this area is incredibly interesting, and that is a problem. It's interesting because you get digressed. And as a product leader or a product manager, the primary uh, skill you bring to the table is focus. Mm -hmm. You need to understand precisely what you want to get done. You want to always communicate in writing what you are going to get done and ensure that you're getting that done in a timely way and that is particularly challenging in ag, ag tech. Mm. Secondly, the maturity of ag industry uh, to technology is in its early stage. And it's at an early stage at a time when there is a lot of noise around um, AI and machine learning and data analytics. And that makes it very complicated because you don't know what, what, what technology really does, what they claim to do. And it's a community of potential users that are not used to using high-tech technology to solving their problems. Sure. If you look at, so now remind me again, Brian, you, you are asking me about specific users and how they use it and how do we determine that it's usable, correct? Yeah, I was curious. I guess I didn't understand initially uh, where you guys were in your product lifecycle. So it sounds like you're still kind of figuring out what the product is based on these different problem sets that you know exist in the market. So. How do you go about testing your ideas? Are, are you doing formal like experience testing or is it just conversations? How will you validate that the product itself is on the right track for these different constituents you have? Do you have a process you follow? Yes, we do. Uh, we, we have a large base of scientists in the, in the company. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you think about our target industries, right? there are going to be optimizing farmland and farmland purchase and rentals. Uh, there is a part of optimizing operations of, of the farm and then optimizing the supply chain around the farm. Mm -hmm. Those are the three pieces. Now, we have in, in, in the company crop scientists and agronomists that act as internal users uh, for the agronomist use case or the scientist use case in terms of ag input companies, etc. Mm -hmm. We also have uh, tie-ups with uh, large farm groups um, around uh, the country who help us by testing our software and informing us about uh, some of their pain points and use cases. Uh, we conduct uh, alpha tests and beta tests with literally field agronomists going to farmers face-to-face uh, -face and getting them to use our uh, software and test it out. Not because we want to necessarily sell the software to the farmers, but any company that is in the last mile to serve the farmer is going to come up with the answers that the farmer needs to respond to. Mm -hmm. uh, so the best way we can do is to get the, the product and its, uh, its solutions qualified by uh, the farmer. 
uh, which makes it uh, most meaningful for the constituents that we want to cater to. So we have a whole bunch of different uh, set of uh, activities and, uh, and programs that are designed uh, to get different uh, potential users to test out our software. Got it. Can, can you tell me a little bit about what that, what that experience is like both for the farmer, but also for your team? For example, this uh, agronomist, I, I'm picturing, you know, I'm picturing a, a guy driving up in a truck with a tablet, you know, and he's like, do you have Wi-Fi? Oh, yeah, we have Wi-Fi. And he turns it on and he loads up your screen and he sits down and they're having coffee at a table somewhere in Kansas. And you guys are showing him like, you know, well, we ran this with the, you know, corn kernel A, you know, for next season and we got 86% whatever. And then we did B and check this out. Like we're seeing 98% blah, blah, blah. Here's what went into this. What do you think? I'm totally making this up. Is, can you tell me about what that experience is? Especially because you're talking about this, uh, you know, new tech in a, in a space where people aren't used to using data to make decisions here. Walk me through that experience. Help the listener picture what this experience is, is like and how your, your product might fit into that. Sure. In fact, whatever you said didn't sound like a story you're making up. It can be quite real. Mm-hmm. Actually, we underestimate the tech use by the farmer. The average farmer in the United States, in my opinion, having done no studies on it, by the way, uh, use a lot more technology than an average middle-aged person, in my opinion. Now, it's a crowded market. There's a lot of technology companies vying for the farmer's business. There's a lot of apps that the farmers could access, and they use a lot of technologies to make their decisions. Besides that, your, your question was specifically about, okay, how do you get around to actually interacting with this farmer, and how does that look in a typical day? Yeah, I, I'm really curious how that feedback gets back to you or to your team to be properly prioritized. Are, are you guys sending any like SIBO employees out to, to observe this, these interactions and, and kind of right from the horse's mouth, or is it mostly kind of like secondhand like the, the, the agronomist would report what he heard from the farmer and then you guys interpret that or can, can you talk about that? Sure, sure. So it's all, all of the three, by the way. Uh-huh. We have agronomists, SIBO employees that actually go out to farmers. I see. We hear from different farmer communities having looked at our technologies by, uh, by email or by conversations over the phone. But we, that is product managers, literally go to farmers and sit with them and work, work through the product uh, to ensure that it's something that uh, they believe is valuable. Got it. And the part that I wanted to touch on here is uh, my own visit. I visited about five farmers or four farmers uh, in Kansas and, and Nebraska about uh, four weeks ago. And this was, you know, our field agronomist taking us to different farmers uh, across a thousand mile journey uh, in his truck. And um, it's, you know, long roads have not been to um, that, that part of the country before, having not worked with, uh, with the farming operations in the past. Uh, it's an exciting journey. And, one of the, and I'll give you one of the stories that I, that I heard. Uh, we, we went to, to this large farm. Uh, it's a large farmer, very successful farmer. And his strategy for growth is to expand his farmland and the farmland that he's able to operate because... That's where his value add is. He is very efficient in what he does. He's constantly looking for new farmland. The previous one that he had just rented, and he told us this, uh, is about 30 miles north of where he currently farms, uh, in majority of his uh, fields are. And he felt that he could have done a little bit better due diligence before renting that farmland because it's not quite panning out 
like the way it expected. Andy suspects it's probably the soil um, that's not doing it for him. And he's not getting the, uh, the kind of productivity that he was expecting when he rented. Mm-hmm. And recently he had a call of, from another uh, farmer who wants to rent out his piece of land. So he was checking out our technology to see if this is something that would be meaningful for him. The first thing he does is he wants to get comfortable with, okay, what, what can you tell me about my field? Because I know my field. And if you can tell me what I already know, I can believe that you can tell me the same thing about a farm that I don't know about. Ah, and I can, interesting. Okay, so he checks out his farm and uh, he looks at how his field looks in our, in our uh, uh, solution, in our technology platform and how the interfield looks, how the stability looks. Do, you, do we identify the right zones as being the highest productivity zones, the low productivity zones, the unstable zones? And I can explain if you want to get into it what these mean. Uh, then he finds out like how we predict uh, how his field has performed having known nothing about this field directly from him, uh, but purely by the data we infer and our simulation models, we can tell him how it did in the last 10 years. And having convinced himself, now he is looking into the farmland that he wants to rent and understanding the same uh, dynamics. And because ours is a simulation model, now we can change uh, some parameters to say, look, I don't plant at that density. I usually plant at a different density or I plant a different hybrid. How would that normally perform? If I invested in irrigation, how would that perform? And these are the questions he typically wants to answer. And we help him do that by just observing him and saying, okay, you can do this with our, uh, our software. How would you do it? And is it intuitive enough for you to get, uh, get your answers? And by pure observation and recording, we can come back and get an improvement and then perhaps go back to him and say, can you test this out uh, for us if you don't mind? And we need to time it really well with the farmers, by the way, because in probably we have another week or so. Once they start planting, uh, they don't have the time uh, for, for this kind of stuff. So you got to get them in the right, the right time when they have the time to pay attention to you. And once the, um, the farming operations begin, the farmer gets really, really busy and you can't pay attention to anything else. There's so much here. My like brain's like on fire thinking about how this <laughs> relates to so many other, you know, analytics and, and data products. So one thing you talked about here is there's clear seasonality here. Uh, literally the word season, right? Uh, when we talk about farming, but so much of the time, I feel like, uh, you know, data products are not always designed with a sense that, oh, they're just always on, right? A web, a web tool is just log in at any time and it's there. But, it, but people aren't always thinking about, well, when is the right time to provide X, Y data to someone, some piece of insight? What are they doing in June that's different that they're doing in September? Like, obviously, you know, a farmer, when you're in harvest mode, you're in a very different mode than you are in planting mode. And so just being aware of that and, and, under, and you can't be aware of that if you don't get out there and talk to your customers and start to learn about what their life is like. And this, you know, this gets to empathy. So I love that you guys are literally doing a ride along, which we, we call in design world, you know, we call these ride alongs sometimes. Uh, and you're literally in a truck and, and, and visiting these farmers to understand this. So the other thing too was the demo you talked about. You could see how this could become like, if your tool can explain to me what happened in the last 10 years, I'll start to believe the prediction. I think that's, that's really powerful as well. It helps build trust that the technology is, it's not magic, that it's actually looking at data points and it's coming up with, uh, you know, with predictions I can believe and I'm willing to put 
you know, put my trust a little bit more in, in the software versus my experience. And I think that can be hard, right? I'm sure your tool will probably come up with some surprising recommendations at times that might really push the envelope, right? Like really you want me to plant, you know, eggplant, or you really want me to separate my crops to two foot spacing instead of one with this variety? <laughs> Do you have any stories where, you know, the tool might have come up with a, a prediction that was a little bit unusual and you, you hit that friction and the, the customer was a little bit, you know, your prospect or this uh, participant you were talking to was a little bit, I, I'll believe it when I see it or do you, any, any anecdotes like that? No, I don't have any anecdotes uh, to that effect. But the, the couple of things, a couple of points I want to make. One is that the, the farmer knows his farm more than anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, uh, you know, they've farmed in that in that piece of land and they've uh, they've tested it. There's there's a lot of uh, you know generational knowledge that's gone into it. But here's what we can do: we can tell the farmer about a farm that they don't have don't have knowledge about. They have not uh, put their in uh, the boots on the ground on that particular piece of farm. That's where we we come in and bring value, and we do it. Uh, also in situations that the farmer has not encountered before, even in their own farm. Uh, there are situations they've not encountered uh, in the past, and we can give them information about that. And that is the value of using technologies in their own farms. Uh, the, the thing about uh, data, uh, Brian, and how we think about it differently is that data is, you know, is, you, can, you can make a lot of sense out of, out of data, uh, but there are two critical aspects to that. One is uh, you need to have all the data that you need. And agriculture is not exactly uh, an area where all the sensors are uh, where you need them to be. So there are a lot of, the data is very sparse. There's a lot of gaps. And there's just not enough data uh, for you to make the conclusions you need to make. And secondly, um, the past will not look like the future because of where we are. Uh, in terms of climate change and the things that we are experiencing. Uh, so you cannot extrapolate uh, you know, biological systems from past observations to a completely different weather or, or environmental situations. And that is where we can come in and say, uh, we don't need uh, uh, all the data. We can supplement data that is missing using our, our simulation tools and be able to predict uh, to weather outcomes that you have not experienced in the past. Can you tell me a bit about the experience? Like, so let's say I'm the, I'm that farmer. I think he was in Nebraska, right? And you're saying that he's he's uh, he bought some land that he hadn't used before, and it didn't quite perform as well as he had hoped. Or maybe he's looking for a new piece of land, and maybe he's trying to decide: should I go and head and, and rent or purchase this land? What is what is that experience you're going? going for? Like, is it load up Google Maps, put it in geo mode, get a picture of this area, and then I go into your tool and I run some modeling and like, is is this something that happens in real time? Is this a process that happens over many weeks? Like, what's that experience like from the time when the, the farmer's like, I really think this, I should go in on this spot 30 miles north of home, but I, I, I want some reinforcement before I pull the trigger on it. Can, can you help us picture what that experience might be like or what you're going for from their experience perspective? Sure, sure. From the user experience perspective, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They just come into uh, our tool. Um, there's a authentication system, either a username, password, or they hit on Google authentication and get into the tool. When they come into the tool, there is a map. 
Mm-hmm. The map is your central navigational tool. Got now, it. there are several ways the farmer identifies his field uh, or her field uh, by just typing in the address uh, or um, uploading what's called a shapefile, which is the, uh, the coordinates uh, of where the field is located, mm-hmm. latitude, longitude uh, coordinates. And typically, the farmer has um, shapefiles from uh, different tools they've been using, so they can just upload it into our system. And immediately, when they do that, and it's a, it's a matter of seconds, um, although like sometimes the exportation of the shapefiles can take them some time, uh, but they, if they have the address, it's, it's the easiest way. They just get to the field, and after that real time, we can show them their uh, stability inside their fields in terms of their, you know, um, the elevations and the depressions and the high productivity areas and the low productivity areas, et cetera. And you click on simulation. We already have all the inferred data in their planting densities, the planting seeds, uh, the, uh, the relative maturity hybrids that they've used, uh, whether they have irrigation or not. Um, and they just hit run. Um, it runs. It gives them the results. It's a chart uh, for the last 10 years. Now they can play with it and say, okay, what if I had done something differently? And now, if they want to compare it to a different field, they could look for the second field, just add it to that portfolio, compare the two fields uh, within the software platform. And it, all this thing they could do within five minutes. It's, it's all in there. So the shape, the shape file isn't just a map of coordinates of like what's planted where. It has additional data. And so when that's uploaded, you're, you're, getting, you're getting additional data points that then go into your the software and, and it's interpolated. Is that correct? No, uh, we, we don't get any data except where the field is. So all we need from the farmer is where is his field? And by the coordinates, I simply meant like, you know, if you were to draw a geometry mm-hmm. uh, around a map, yep, yep. that geometry is identified by the coordinates of each point that connect the sure. lines. And mm-hmm. that's all we need. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty fascinating. So I guess I could also draw, I could draw a shape map over the land that I want to purchase or rent, correct? And then run, and then you can do a, you know, comparison. Like if I run the same crops and the same, you know, I know a lot about cotton. I don't know anything about eggplant. So I'm going to like run the simulation. Can I, can I plant my cotton and bring my operations over there without making a, I assume they don't want to make dramatic changes to tools and you know, stuff that they know they want to stay in their own domain unless there's a big opportunity or maybe they do. Maybe they say, wow, I can't plant cotton there, but you know, it would be ripe for, you know, whatever corn, you know, something is that, is that kind of the types of uh, feedback you might be able to get? It, it's possible at this point in time, you only do corn okay. uh, in, in the corn belt. So it's really about uh, whether I want to uh, irrigate whether I want to plant more uh, density of uh, of seeds. Which part of the field should I plant more? Should, which part of the field should I plant less? Should I have irrigation, uh, or is it not worth the the money? Uh, you know, things that that kind of decision. Which hybrid should I should I plant? Uh, we capture that by what we call relative maturity. You know, those kind of information is what uh, what we allow uh, the the interface to change. Well, let me let me you know frame this in a in a in a slightly broader way. Okay, there are a couple of things that the farmer is looking for. One is they're looking for uh, expanding to new pieces of uh, of land. Uh, so they're looking for which which parts of the land can be rented. But the farmers are also and that that's the way that you know the first one is a strategy to grow by growing your uh, operations. 
to larger uh, areas of farmland. The second uh, strategy for growth is for new crops or crop uh, specialty crops or organic farming. Uh, that's operational efficiency uh, method of, of growing. And we have been talking about uh, farmers and focused on the farming outcomes, but I, I initially started off this conversation by saying, CBO is set up to actually serve the last mile providers for the farmers. So I still want to make the connection that, you know, if the farmer likes what you're, what you're doing in terms of uh, your technology, I think the last mind operation operators uh, interest will be served in terms of their use cases. Have you had any situ and maybe you haven't gotten this far with it yet, but have you been doing these kind of uh, ride along style studies with the different personas? So not just the farmer, but say the insurance person as well. Have you been doing similar research on the product? Uh, we've, we've done, we've done some, some research, uh, not as much as we have with the farmers, but uh, mm -hmm. Some with, like I said, with agronomists, we have our own agronomists and we work with other agronomists as well. We have done with uh, ag input companies uh, in terms of seed breeders or product marketers uh, for, for new seeds. So there are, there are a community of uh, different potential users that we work with. What are you finding difficult from a product management perspective? Like you, you talked about, you know, focus is really important. What are some of the challenges that you have in figuring out what should go into this tool? And is one of those challenges like, is the same interface for everyone the right product? Or is it really we need separate tools, separate products for each of these different personas? Even though they're all in the same ecosystem, they don't all need the same product. Is that, I don't want to feed challenges to you, but can you talk a little bit about what's difficult in figuring out how to design a good product for these different groups? Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's uh, So there are different levels of subject matter expertise, if you will, of the end users, right, in, in the different verticals you might want to go, go after. And one, one of them, let's take an example of seed breeders, high you know, expertise in data analytics. They want to see a lot of data and make sense out of it. And the best way to serve that particular community, because they come with their own philosophies of how to make these decisions, and the kind of decisions they're trying to make is, where do I test a particular breed of seed? Uh, where do I uh, best sell uh, a particular breed of seed where it's going to be most effective? And the way we approach that market is by providing uh, APIs to them and not an interface at all. Uh, an API that accesses the full power of our, our data engine and our simulation engine so they can access the data they need and do analytics on top of it uh, to help them make the right decisions. At the same time, once you get to the last mile to the farmer uh, group of companies uh, like insurance providers or bankers or retailers or agronomists, each persona has a different use case. And the UI or the UX is designed uh, on purpose fit uh, to allow them to get the value, the differential value for the current workflow which is going to be different from the other vertical that you know a retailers use case is going to be different from an insurance providers use case they're basically looking at different uh, different aspects of uh, of farmland or uh, farming operations and the way you do that is by designing the software architecture in a way that a platform is uh, is able to communicate with the user layer user interface layer uh, through APIs and now you can make your user experience a very modular user experience with the kind of dashboard that collectively gives the information that is most relevant to 
who you're serving, and you can you know custom fit uh, the the user experience to serve that particular purpose. So yeah, we just change it. Each user experience is going to look different uh, depending on which target uh, segment you're uh, you're designing it for. And and will those be separate products, or they'll still be one product just with different modalities of use? We don't know yet. Uh, we, right now, we have uh, what we call two products. Mm-hmm. One we call the SIBO Insights product, which is the application with one user interface. And the other is the SIBO API, which is for the subject matter experts in the ag input space. Right. So in the original question, when we asked about the, you know, what's difficult, are you saying that it's, is it difficult to figure out whether or not they should be separate products? Is that what you're saying? No, it's easy for us to figure out if they should be uh, separate products. What is difficult is the specific pain points you want to solve and how you expose that with a user experience that's intuitive. Sure, sure. Do you run the risk of too much data or too much of the raw information there clouding the insights that in the value that you want to convey? Are you worried about that or more like the number of different things you can do with the tool type of a problem? What, what are those challenges like? I think the primary worry is to touch on the real pains that people have, right? It's the hardest thing for when you explore market needs is to analyze the market objectively and not frame the conversation to lead to the conclusion that you want to get to yeah. and truly understand what the current workflows are and what the pains are associated with the current workflows that you can provide a solution to and what the differential or the delta value of that solution is going to be. That is a big challenge. The second one, of course, is what you said, is there is a lot of data and you want to purpose fit your user experience to provide the solution you're targeting so the insights are clear and actionable and not confuse it with noise. Have you had any feedback that that's been the case so far and you're like, oh, we, you know, we changed you know, X, Y, and Z you know, report or whatever you know, for this farmer because we found out that you know, they didn't really need that information or it wasn't the right stuff at the right time. Have you, have you, are you like going through iterations and seeing these types of little learning outcomes? Yeah, in fact, uh, ours was a different, uh, you know, we, our approach was, uh, was different. We exposed the minimal uh, data that we, we thought was necessary. Mm-hmm. And we are actually going in the, in the other direction is to start yeah. exposing more data as we have more conversations uh, and I think we'll still hit the problem of, okay, now there's too much and we need to uh, retract. But at some point, uh, you know, we, we have a tipping point. At this point in time, our experiment has been very sparse uh, data, but not enough insights. Let's provide the, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, okay, you can run the simulation. You can tell me the last 10 years how my field did, but I don't know uh, what hybrid you used. Can you show it to me in a table? And when did I fertilize and how much? Um, so suddenly now we have a table that actually shows that information. Very soon we'll have uh, you know, a situation where help me compare uh, the different fields against each other with the parameters that I want to compare them against, not the parameters you've already used. And you know, so maybe we'll d- develop a custom layer of how do you want to customize that, uh, that comparison parameters and stuff like that. 
But at this point in time, we are going the other direction. Yeah, this is actually something I, I love that you said this, uh, you know, some of the talks I give at conferences, one of the points that needs to be made is that, and I think even Tufty likes to talk about this, but to add clarity, you need to add information sometimes. And the issue isn't always the quantity of the information, it's how it's designed. And I've seen this repeatedly where there are times when if you properly add information and design it well, you actually bring a lot more insight there. You could literally add a hundred times, you know, more information to a screen. Perhaps you give a time time series information in, in the form of some evidence to help back up the conclusion drawn by the software, and you actually provide more insight there. So this kind of like, you know, removes stuff all the time. Well, not all the time. Sometimes you need to provide that that evidence there. Um, and I often talk about this pyramid, right? You have your conclusion at the top, which maybe is something as simple as a sentence. There's not even any data there. It's just a conclusion that the software interpolated, right? And then the next tier down might be that evidence layer. How did it go? What did we look at, right? What were the inputs? What are some of those factors? Why did we come up with the conclusion? Why this corn and not that corn? And then the level three stuff is more of the data, right? All the insights and the goodies there. And, and what I've seen over time, sometimes that happens is that over time, the user starts to trust. If, they, if they've seen it and they can believe it and they can relate to it, they start not to need the level three stuff as much because you've given them level two. And mostly it's about a level one with that level two is kind of the check uh, to, to, to help them believe in what's there. And that's all about the design, right? It's, a, it's all about how you design that experience to, such that they can, can believe these insights and, and get the value out of your analytics. So I, I love how you said you're actually on the started small and that now you're gradually adding to provide that level of believability and that's required. Yeah, I can't agree with you more uh, on that statement, Brian. In fact, you know, we got to this point in the journey because we decided to separate the data-rich experience that a particular segment needs from uh, the insight that the other segment is looking for. So we removed, uh, you know, we, we identified the ag input uh, experts that are uh, likely to use our software will need access to a lot more data. And the way we'll enable that is by APIs and we'll reserve the app experience for specific workflows that uh, are purpose fit for specific answers. Right, right. Now I can see that <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny how you have to add sometimes to make things easier we all a lot of times we all assume that we need to be subtractive in our methods but we just have to be careful with how we design it if we're if we're using you know additive measures so it's interesting and it's something i think as people that work in data product space that we need to remember that sometimes the solution is going to be to add information and if you're feeling like you have a clutter problem if your customers are complaining about too much information or that's a symptom usually that the design is wrong it's not necessarily that that data has no value it may be the wrong data at at the time they need it they don't you know say at harvest time or whatever you don't need information about what seeds to plant it's not wrong information. It's just not needed at this particular time. So usually the, usually those are design problems lurking there when people talk about quantity, uh, whether it's too much or not enough. It's, it's usually a design problem, I find. And then obviously there's a challenge of actually building out, <laughs> especially yeah. when they want something you don't have, you know, data that you don't have. Um, that, that's always, always a challenge too. Are there any other uh, particular challenges you guys are? Uh, this is really fascinating to, to kind of, you know, hear about these different use cases, but especially because you've got 
these different stakeholders with different lenses on the whole, you know, end to end workflow, but any other particular challenges you guys are, are having? I think we covered most of the, most of the mm-hmm. parts here, uh, Brian. I, the, the one thing I want to leave you with is how interesting ag space is, you know, and, uh, that's that's one of the challenges we need to solve is not necessarily to make it boring, but uh, to keep the focus on the on the problems you want to solve. Sure. It does sound like a really interesting product. You know, you've, I'm, I'm really curious about it, even though I'm not necessarily a farmer, but it sounds fascinating that that can be done. That's, I think, one of the fun things about working on, on data products, right, is like there's so many different industries doing really creative things to solve problems for people. And I think it's fascinating that you guys, especially when you guys can do this without having it sounds like you don't have a lot of data coming directly from the user, but they're able to get quite a bit of value out of the product because of how you've you know, aggregated data from other sources and put it to good use and are providing experience around that that can help them produce food and crops and things yeah. that we need. So exactly. Awesome. Well, do you have any, I'm curious, do you have any other, um, this has been a great conversation. Do you have any like closing thoughts for other people working on these data products and analytics tools that, that you might, some parting words? I can't uh, summarize that better than what uh, we already had a conversation about, uh, Brian. Sorry. Cool. No, that's a, no, not at all. No, you've 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 shared some good stuff here. So, and where can people find out about? Uh, obviously, I'll put a link to Cibo Technologies. It's it's cibotechnologies.com. Um, are you on Twitter or LinkedIn? Is there a place people can kind of follow what you're doing in this space? Yeah, for a guy who's working on. Technology, I am uh, less tech friendly in that way. I only have a LinkedIn account. Oh, okay. But that's all right. It's a fairly active LinkedIn account. And I see you post a lot there and uh, I enjoy uh, some of uh, the uh, blogs that you that you write up. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, I will uh, definitely put a link to Dinu's LinkedIn page and I appreciate you coming on the show. So this is again, Dinu Achikutira from Sivo Technologies in product management talking about ag tech. So this has been great. Thanks again for coming on Experiencing Data and sharing some of your insights. Thank you for having me, Brian. Yeah, take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Experiencing Data with Brian O'Neill. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing it with the hashtag experiencing data. To get future podcast updates or to subscribe to Brian's mailing list, where he shares his insights on designing valuable enterprise data products and applications, visit designingforanalytics.com slash podcast.